Uh, and I said this is one of the worst moments in, in a poor child's life is when they realize they're poor. Because you don't really, because you don't know it. Because everyone around you is in the same boat, got the same issue, same life. You're a kid, so you know. And then you step out. And for whatever reason, whatever gets you out for me, it was going to a different high school completely across town. And I was like, wow. There's like, like I, it was the first time I, I had friends with like both parents in the house. I was like, this is crazy. All right. We have a couple of things we are super excited about here at the Underdog Podcast. We're excited to announce we just partnered with Chatterbox Sports, your home for live, local, high school sports. Head over to chatterbox.com and check out live games, scores, and updates from your favorite tri-state teams. We also want to give a special thanks to Buffalo Wings and Rings for their support in high school athletics. Buffalo Wings and Rings, the sports experience that goes way beyond just Buffalo Wings. Now, on to this week's guest. It took nearly two decades in what Ed Lattimore calls living four lives before he began to understand the concept of purpose. After overcoming addictions to alcohol and pornography, this former heavyweight boxer turned author and influencer is sharing stoic street smarts on how to control your mind, body, and emotions. It's the man with the left hook, the right hook, the cross, and the uppercut, our guy, Ed Lattimore. Ed, appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule, man, to join myself and my partner Kyle here on the on the Underdog Podcast. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Hopefully, I can can recapture some of that that knowledge that I was dropping before the podcast started. <laughs> the, the outtakes. <laughs> yeah, the outtakes. There you go. to be a whole whole reel of of things that make it in that did not necessarily want to make it in initially. Yeah, no, yeah, he's, no. He's he's electrifying, and we're gonna have him even. You're gonna level up now. Yeah, right? we yeah. got you. You're gonna level. You were here, and now we're gonna bring you up here. No, he was, it's, uh, he it's was a pleasure smart. to have you on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Well, let's get into it. Um, so our our mentor Ryan Hawk, who you were a guest on his show, the oh yeah, uh, Ryan. The, the learning leader. He's our podcast mentor, former college teammate of mine, uh, and Kyle as well. Um, and he's the one who introduced us. And he said, you know, that you would probably be a great guest for us, you know, with your underdog story. And as I start every episode, man, is really trying to dive into what we believe is that underdog moment or those adverse moments that you have that our guests may have in their life. And you have a numerous, you have, you know, a lot of those from, you know, you're a former heavyweight boxer. Uh, you're now a, a social media influencer and influencing people all over the world. Um, and you struggled very, very much with alcohol and with pornography, which is, you know, which is out there. Um, and I know we'll touch on those things, but, um, you know, early on in your childhood growing up, you know, you from Pittsburgh and you grew up kind of a very, very rough life. Uh, can you take us back to, you know, what your childhood was like and kind of how that started one of the first of the four lives that you say you live? Well, without a, without a doubt, you know, you, you can't choose where you're born and you don't really get too much in the way of preparation because, or rather in the, in the way of like guidance through it. 
I have to figure out uh, how to not fall into everything, but also how to not make myself a target. It's it's a really interesting game. You figure out how to play because you don't want to be so liked that people suck you in to do stuff, but you don't want to be a target because you're different. And I didn't play sports growing up. The athletes tend to get a pass, uh, so to speak. So I had to find other ways to do that. So a lot of it was an alternate alternation between this this kind of isolation. You know, I didn't I didn't hang out with anybody really, but I was was funny and interesting, or I tried to be. So that that kept life the most part okay you I mean you, i still fought a lot but i mean i'm sure I could, it could have been a lot worse i mean i've seen a lot worse happen to other people so I, I always compared that to my situation and i went okay it's not that bad you know i can I, I'm, I'm not fighting every day right i don't have to worry about kids randomly jumping me somewhere because they don't like where i live or what i'm what, what, what the affiliation of my neighborhood is or anything like that so uh, I figured that out, and along that, during that whole time, you know, I'm, I'm really learning that there's there's great power in likability and having somewhat of a purpose. And then, and then you know, it take oh, almost two more decades of my life before I really uh, leaned into this concept of purpose, but I get a glimpse of it because having a a strong driving I never want to be here ever again and when I leave I'm never coming back type attitude that kept me on a straight and narrow path that certainly influenced some decisions some things I did and some things I didn't do so I could leave so I'd have no problem like I have not been back I can I remember I don't know the exact day on the calendar because I, I just can't remember but I know what the day was the last day I laid my head down on a bed to sleep and woke up in a housing project. And that was the night before I left uh, for my first attempt at college. Never went back since. Uh, and that was, that was, how old was that? No, almost 20 years ago uh, at this point. So uh, dealing with that environment coming out of it, I mean, you, you come out battering a scar and I certainly had a lot of things to deal with and figure out afterwards. But that was the first experience I had of going, okay slipping back to what we were yeah now before you found you, you talked about finding that purpose which is something that you know you, you you realized early on but one thing you you're noted of saying is you know you had a lot of resentment before that as well I think when you got to maybe the high school and you I think you said you met your best friend um, and you kind of started to realize okay the, there's a world outside of the projects but before you could really accept that world, you had a lot of resentment for your childhood and, and against your mother. And I think for listeners, there's people who've probably gone through that, who've gone through that resentment. Can you talk about that resentment and what effect that had on you um, and, and how that began to create that trajectory towards um, finding your purpose? Oh, absolutely. So, so you don't know what you, are <laughs> it's like it's like the allegory to cave kinda you don't really know you're in a cave until uh somebody says yo you're in a cave dog and you're like you sure like no nah, trust me you're in a cave man oh uh, and then you you eventually uh realize that yes you are in a cave and then how you respond to that is how you respond to that but uh in my case i i didn't know 
how poor I was. I actually made a tweet about this because I was thinking about it. Uh, and I said, I said one of the worst moments in, in a poor child's life is when they realize they're poor. Because you don't really, because you don't know it. Because everyone around you is in the same boat, got the same issues, same life, you're a kid, so you know. And then you step out. And for whatever reason, whatever gets you out. For me, it was going to a different high school completely across town. And I was like, wow, there's like, like I, it was the first time I, I had friends with like both parents in the house. I was like, this is crazy. There was just food available. They could eat whatever they wanted to. And like little things. And you start, and then so, so the next most logical thing to do uh, or one of the more logical things to do is to start asking yourself, like, why don't we have this? And you start going down the line and thinking, and, you know, as, as, a, as a child, you don't have the ability to really understand. You don't have the reference point. I mean, now I have a reference point, plus I have a lot of work. I put a lot of work into forgiveness. But at that point in time, I just looked at what what makes a child's life their parents and so I started to blame my parents for not giving me opportunities to do anything around me and in particular my mom because my dad was a, a non um, persona non grata it's, it's, it's probably the best way to kind of you know describe him in my life he wasn't absentee like I know he was and everything but I mean, like even now, I don't really have like I, I think about some of the things we 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 did like when I when I I stayed with one summer and everything, but I don't really have memories of like being taught like lessons or anything or being you know uh, all came from from my mom. So that's where the energy got directed. The resentment. I said, why would you guys like have us if you can't give us a better life or anything like that? And and I think that's a dangerous idea now, really. I mean, I understand why I had that, and I can't go back and, like, undo it. All you can do is learn from it. But it's a dangerous idea because you – people have been having kids for all, all of eternity. That's kind of, you know, how, we, how we're all here. Someone, someone said, despite all this stuff going on around us, when I have some kids, right, they had kids during the during the wars, plagues, famine, slavery, everything, right? Because it's just a human uh, human imperative to reproduce. And and then you have to believe, and if you don't believe, look at everything else around you that, they, that your parents have done. You have to believe it was done the way they raised you in the best interest, the best way they possibly could, okay? And that was like kind of the, the, the first step for me. I said, okay, she wanted to have kids and she did the best she could with what she knew. And once you once you look at it that way, all of the reserve, I mean, it didn't like instantly fade, but like almost all of it did because now I'm just like, okay, if I was in, because it leads you to ask yourself an important question. I think no one asked themselves today when they decide to attack someone, which is uh, if you were in that person's shoes with the exact same resources and the exact same level of knowledge, would you have done something different? Most times you can't say you would have. And so you come to understand why a person does a thing and it becomes impossible to hold them uh, in enmity. Like to, to be to, to, to hate them, you can't do it. And so that's that's 
what has led me to how I like I'm a really big believer in forgiveness now there's plenty of articles on my website about the methods of forgiveness and why I think it is essential for the next level of humanity like we're, we're not going to to, to just suddenly uh, evolve consciousness is kind of keep swinging back and forth blaming one another it's not going to work the next step is forgiveness and, and I believe that and I came to that through my uh, through, through dealing with it in my life and seeing the power of it so are you go ahead, Kyle. Real, real quick Adam, um, you talk about finding that forgiveness you just touch upon that at 23 can you kind of touch upon how you, you know, someone that's maybe going through some resentment, like you went through, obviously you went through a lot of, you know, uh, things in your childhood growing up in the projects in Pittsburgh. Um, can you talk about how you found that forgiveness and maybe uh, yeah, help someone yeah. through that? So, so it was like, a, it, was, it was a weird kind of multifaceted thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much I believe that stuff just finds you. I'm, I'm, I'm a strange guy in this regard, like very much like, um, a fan of intentionality and and putting those out into the universe and seeing kind of what comes back at you. But if you try and get me to call something um, anything more than a coincidence, then I'm gonna like look at you like that's not scientific. So so I understand sometimes the uh, the clash, and this is important. I bring this up because of what I'm about to say next. Uh, the 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 thing that really led me to even start diving into this idea of forgiveness i used to steal books that is you know it just is what it is man can't go back and undo it don't feel bad about it wish i hadn't done it but here we are and but one of the books i i, I stole was this book called of course in miracles and that whole text is about oh, what's the best way to put this Okay, so it is about forgiveness, but it's it, it's written as if you know um, the the person claims that Jesus came down and took control of the pen, and they just wrote. I mean, it is a high level text for sure. But I but I read it once, and then I read it again, and now I have a copy of it on my bookcase to reference every now and then just to, to keep me grounded. And that found me. Okay, this idea of forgiveness. But you still got to do the work. Like that was just an introduction to the idea. It didn't just suddenly bestow me with the the gift of forgiveness. No, you got to do the work. And you really and, and and it's more psychological than spiritual, you know. And and the distinction between the two, I would say, a thing is spiritual when you rely on an external source for motivation or something to lean on for you to aim towards becoming uh psychological is where i'm sitting there i'm doing the work internally about how i think feel and perceive the world and how i react to what has occurred to me that's the internal work and when you start working on forgiveness if i was to tell somebody okay you got these issues or they're like hey man i'm i gotta deal with this uh the very first thing you gotta do you, you gotta you got to get yourself in a position where you can at least look at the person as a person sure. and it's hard mm -hmm. right like I'll, I'll use the most extreme example that was was given to me when i got introduced to sadib can you sit and have a coffee with hitler right and have a coffee with him and look at him like a person trying to understand why he did what he did you know you don't hate but can you do that and and obviously you know you can't do it because he's dead right but but the idea is that 
you're trying to know you're not you're not coming at every human as a way to confirm your your projection of how you think they should be or how you think they should be punished uh nor are you looking to vilify them you're simply looking to understand when you when you understand then you can look and and see why they did it and then once you understand the motives then you go okay i probably would have done this is a this is also another disturbing thing right you start going okay once you trace the motives and look at a person you can see how you may have done the same thing now this isn't perfect forgiveness it's it's a limit we're approaching we're trying to get close to it but this helps you get there because what we're trying to do is stop seeing people as different from us and start seeing the ways we're alike and then doing so understand why they think the way they do and so we don't hate it we come to understand it and we were so close we were moving so so close to this I did you know all of a sudden everyone decided they wanted to be special this <laughs> you know I think I think we're all unique but uh we, we have to balance I think we're all unique as people in, in our contribution but our motivations by virtue of being the same species with the same brain and the same kind of drives we want to reproduce survive um we're, we're all similar in that regard and we, we have to figure that out uh, and by figure it out, I mean, we have to learn to work together more than work apart. So that's the first thing I tell somebody, learn to see people as people and nothing more, uh, nothing less. Now, I also want to preface this. Uh, I always tell people forgiveness is, is an internal process. It's something that you have to work through. It has nothing to do with justice. Now, you, it, is, it does not replace justice. Some people need to be locked up, put behind bars, dare I say to even execute it for, for certain reasons. Uh, that has, but, but, but the example I give is I go, okay, if somebody uh, killed your whole family, right? Uh, you can forgive that person, but uh, or rather you, you need to eventually because even though they're going to be sent to death, that's not going to do anything for, for you. Uh, that's not going to undo. That's not going to help you heal or cope with it. You have you need a tool for that. And that's what forgiveness is. So that's uh, the, one of the distinctions I make. <clears throat> love it. Love it, man. Now that, that's you have such uh, a unique way of of. of like giving the message off and when I like I said when I was listening to Ryan's episode man I was just so drawn in by just your perspective on life and, and the things that have happened to you um so along those lines one quote that you have which you have many quotes but one thing you say is uh no one cares what happened to you or what you've been through no one is coming to save you and for someone like yourself who's been through so much what can you kind of explain what you mean by that uh, for our listeners? Yeah, I think a lot of people um, are waiting for something to happen. And I mean that in all aspects of their life, not just for to, you know, to, to give them the life of their dreams, but also perhaps to liberate them of the nightmare that they're currently living. I think a lot of people believe that, what believe, think, resign to however you want to approach it, however you get there, their thought process is that uh, something will eventually happen, okay? And not only will something happen, um, 
the wrongs that were done to you are going to be balanced out somehow. We 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 really like the idea of of karma because it gives us a sense that the wrongs that have been done will be balanced out eventually and those people will be punished. Well, unfortunately, uh, that's not true. The good things happen to bad people all the time, but also bad things happen to good people, right? It, it just, you know, it's a matter of perspective and timing. But what you have to realize is once you accept these harsh, harsh truths, then what are you left with? Well, you're left with agency. You're left with the realization that uh, nothing is ever going to be done to correct this. Nothing is ever going to be done to fix this, to do, to, to, to restore the damage, to restore the hurt. You know, sure, if someone makes an attempt, consider that uh, that you got lucky and you encountered someone calm, but it's far better to prepare for lack of a savior and be surprised that way than it is to prepare for one and be surprised when he does not show, okay? But that second surprise is just, it ruins the spirit of people, and it puts you in an eternal state of waiting. Instead of taking moves to change your own situation, to change your own life, to to work on your own healing, to work on your own issues, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I will never tell you time heals all. No, the, the work you put in heals all. You know, you, you, you let the right people just, just fester. They will stay angry for a long time. And they're the only ones hurt by that anger. Uh, and then, then what happens if, if the person are angry at dies? Will they feel something? Yeah, maybe turn me. They had not do the work. They stayed, they suffered. They didn't take the lesson to learn from it. Or rather, they didn't use the opportunity to step up and learn. So that whole idea behind no one's coming to save you and, and no one cares what you've gone through, you, you, you can't expect the world within each person in it with its own problems for all of these people collectively to go, woe is you. No, you have to take control and do this. And then put yourself in a position to perhaps be someone's lucky savior you know maybe you do maybe you don't uh certainly they're not not anticipating it if if you do i I would hope not anyhow but but we know most people do so that's all that all that comes down to is taking complete responsibility for all aspects of your life emotionally mentally financially physically however you want to slice it but and you talk about extreme ownership real quick calvin i think that you know, we talk about taking extreme ownership. We read a, a book by Jocko Wilnick and, and uh, obviously, you know, appreciate your service. Um, I'm sure in the military. So obviously maybe you can touch upon that a little bit. And, and also if, if you weren't had a rough childhood or you weren't in the military, which would be kind of like me, but I'm still maybe going through an issues with um, taking that ownership or I'm going through uh, some, some of those challenges in life you, you addressed with uh, deferring responsibility. What are some, you know, tangible, we call them knowledge nuggets or actually things that someone could, you know, listening that's going through something like you did, Ed, what is, what is maybe some strategy that you could tangibly put in place to overcome, to put things into ownership? Is there anything that specifically, obviously I was looking at your website, is there anything that you could recommend as far as whether your experiences from once again, the childhood and the military and boxing, all those things that now come into play? 
Well, the the common link behind all of those things that I did, the military, the boxing, then, you know, going back to school, uh, getting sober, all that, the common link behind all of that is at one point I, I went and said, okay, uh, I don't want to be where I am now and no one's going to get me out of it but myself. What can I do? What are my options for moving from this situation, right? And when I looked at everything, whether I made the uh, the best decision or not, um, I, but I made the decision. It was, like no one forced me to fight. No one forced me to join the military. Believe it or not, no one forced me to leave the, the, the hood. No one forced me to get sober, right? Like, like there was no intervention like, bro, you know, you might be getting out of hand. I kind of wish there was, a, you know, I, I certainly needed it. But all of those things came back to me looking and going, okay, and me being unsatisfied. So the piece of actionable advice is to look at where, where you're unsatisfied and, and not tolerate it anymore. And then when you do that, even if you don't know exactly where to go, and I don't think most people do, you know where you're not trying to be anymore. And by virtue of moving away from that, you're going to move to someplace potentially better. You will do something potentially better. It, it's, it's really interesting what happens when you start, when you uh, try to improve via negativa. I, you know, get rid of things rather than add something. What happens is all that you, you start leaving a, a space open. And in that space, because you, you've decided what won't be there, um, now you've left space open for things to to be there, okay? Things to end up in your life that perhaps uh, you were not intentionally going after, but are not going to pull you back. Now, they're not, they're not going to pull you as, you know, as fast, as far as if you intentionally grab them, but they do not retard your progress. And that's what's the most important thing. If someone is just starting out and they don't know what to do, then the best thing to do is stop doing certain things. Just just stop them. And, and you know, I know that a lot of times it's easier said than done, but once you make that, that a commitment and you go, okay, I, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to watch porn anymore. Uh, then you will start finding ways to do that. And in doing that, you're going to get exposed to other methods that are going to support your goal. And then as you have little successes, those little successes are going to motivate you to go after even bigger ones. And you go, ah, oh, I did this. What else can I do? And it really becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy, an upward uh, spiral so to speak, rather than a downward one. But I think the best place to start is to get rid of things that are doing harm. So you just touched on a word I was going to ask, the word motivation, because you have a very unique um, or interesting, I guess, take on, on motivation. And from listening to you, you know, can you talk about what your what the word motivation means to you? Because for someone listening, it's like, well, a lot of times, well, I'm not motivated to do this. You know what I mean? And I, and yeah, so can you, can yeah, you no, touch, I got touch you. on that? <laughs> oh, man. Motivation is a, is a weird word to me. It's not quite a four letter word, but it is. It, I, okay. The, the problem with motivation is that it's, a, um, it's an emotion, and emotions wane, wax and wane, they, they come and go. The problem uh, with that is that progress 
kind of needs consistent effort. Okay. You like imagine where someone would be. Imagine me as Adam Moto, former boxer. Uh, I walk into the gym and I go and I, and I only go two or three days a week when I'm feeling motivated to work out. And I work out for as long as I feel like working out. Um, but with some days it's 15 minutes because I want to go run off to the bar, right? And other days it's uh it's an hour. But it's not really an hour because I want to stop and talk. In other words, I'm giving in to how I feel, right? And that and and people get. I think the majority of people get that that's a bad thing, giving in to how you feel when it comes to making progress. Where the where the link breaks down is when I when I explain to them that motivation is another emotion, and and it just so happens that giving into that emotion comes with positive externalities but what happens when that emotion is not present which it inevitably will not be like there is no top performer that every day they were like yeah let's get after it like this is not how it works you get worn down you get beat up you get you things are going on in your personal life uh then there are the individual challenges and the thing you're trying to progress in that you have to deal with that sets you back to change your mood and your, your mindset but you cannot pay attention to any of that if you want to make progress, you just have to get up and and there's kind of a grind, but that's okay. That's okay because what else are you gonna do? Not do it, right? And not go after what you want. Um, I, I think think the saddest thing in the world. I I, I got you know I've known some people where they they're like you know I'm just waiting for the something to be motivated by. I'm waiting for something to make me excited. I'm like, uh, even if you find it, you think that feeling is going to last? You know, think about that. Instead, it's much better to look at, but like, like, you know, people go, how can I find a thing to motivate me? I'm like, oh, don't do that. Do this instead. Look at some of the things that you'll find interesting and then go do one for a year. Just just every day. But and they're like, that takes long. It's a year, man. Like it's only 365 days. You know, I got 35 years of, of my life done already. I wasn't even trying, right? The, the time's gonna pass anyway. All right. But what happens when you do that is you're inevitably going to encounter the up and down, but you're gonna get better. And that's what makes people want to stick with something. That's what's motivating, is they see a little bit of skill, they start having a positive reaction to the work they do. I read somewhere that uh, more kids stick with the piano than the violin because it's it's just easier to make the piano sound like you know what you're doing than it is the violin, right? So so the kid is more likely to stay with their piano lessons because they, they quickly start to see uh, some result from their effort. It's like a, if you take that idea and, and extrapolate it out to a fitness program, what'll make someone stick with a fitness program is if, if they get a quick win, and they go, wow, I, I I dropped, you know, the scale is five pounds different. Even if it's water weight, right? That's a that's a visible. I saw something happen. Yeah. Let's see what happens when I stick with it. That's if if you're gonna lean on motivation, that is the the only con that I endorse. That's awesome. So take that's me awesome. through real real quick, Ed. Take me through, and, and Calvin knows this. So I I work out a decent amount, but since I've left college, I struggle with diet. So take me through something. Yeah. So, so take, take me through 
maybe the why and the how, or take me through, you know, you know, cause like I said, you have a lot of great things and you persevered. I know I need to take ownership. I know there's things there where I could say, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds, 25 pounds. What take Kyle Decker through Ed Lattimore's mindset of how he, how would you approach losing say 25, 30 pounds if you needed to? Well, I can tell you what I'm doing right now. Cause that is all almost exactly the amount that I'm trying to lose. I think for okay. different reasons, uh, but but it's the, you know, we're, we're, we're roughly doing the same goal, okay? So so the first thing I did was I looked at all of the things uh, technically that I could do. And, and this is, there's a reason for this, but I just want to start out saying the first thing I did is I looked at technically what is possible. Now I did this when I, I, I cut weight when I was fighting MMA. I needed to lose uh, I think 30 pounds and in, in, I think I had six weeks, maybe seven. And and I wanted to know what was possible. Can I do this? Once I see factually that it's possible for me to reduce the calories, follow a game plan, burn enough fat, etc. Get there. Like once I see it's possible to do it healthily, then I go okay. It's done. And also, if you, and, and that's kind of the scene is believing either there's nothing in the universe that says I can't do this. All right. Which is really what you're looking for to get to, to deal with that objection. Once you've got out of the way, uh, you, you find a plan and, and you realize what your what, what your weakness is, where your sticking point is. They're only and, and, and once you if you've done all the research into your goal, you likely would have realized there are only two things that you can manipulate in this your caloric intake and your caloric exponential right and now th those two things differ depending on the goal but we're using this specific goal to speak more broadly but what you've done is you've lim you, you you've looked at where your big win is going to come from in terms of big strategy right uh you're going to reduce calories consumed and increase calories uh, expended via exercise. With, okay, so now, so, so now you've you've got a plan. It's like okay, it's, it's not that hard. And work out a little more. Now, you you know you're gonna look at the how to do this. Most of that might be changing the nutrient density of your food, for example, so it's more filling, so you can automatically eat less and it tastes good. It might be uh, walking to work, doing everything. I remember when I was cutting weight, I started, the, here's where I would find little calories, because I wasn't out of shape when I did this. Like, that was the hard part. Uh, is it like, if I, I, I was already fighting heavyweight and moving quickly, and I was like, okay, let's, uh, and by, by moving quickly, I mean, I was swift and didn't have a lot to get rid of, but I wanted to only lose fat. So one of the things I started doing when I was like looking at little games to play i gamified it uh games to play i found out that your body will use like 200 calories a day heating up water so it can pass through your cells it can't just take in ice cold water so i would just all my water was ice cold to give myself a little advantage to turn it into a game okay it was Love fun it. this way all right so now, so now what, what have I done so far? I've proven to myself that it's not impossible. I can do it. I've looked at where the big ones come, where I should focus most of my energy because you can't worry about everything. You just want to worry about the 80-20, where, 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 where most of your results are going to come from. And that's going to come from calorie reduction and calorie exponential, okay? And then I look at how 
to do those two things to the best of my ability in terms of calorie reduction. I'm going to increase nutrient density. So I've made one goal easy to hit about it or as easy as I can. And then in terms of increasing the calories burned, I looked at a little advantage, but, you know, with increasing the water or rather increasing the water I drink at a lower temperature. But I could do other things, you know. If, if you find, you go get a walk, you hit some ways, you, you got a bunch of podcasts you can listen to. You want to make this activity as resistance free as possible. You want to make it easy. For example, if I told you that a T-bone steak, a pound of T-bone steak was seventeen hundred calories, and once you eat that, you're gonna, it's not gonna feel that way immediately but you're going to be full and satiated. Now I've got you excited. Yeah, T-bone, you, you can eat T-bones. And, and that's going to be fun, okay? So what have we done? We have removed as much resistance as possible. So now it's almost like, wow, it is harder to eat like trash. It's harder to live like trash. And that's what we want to do. That's, you know, I, I take the same I take the same approach to many goals or as many goals as I can uh, to where it's more difficult to not do it than it is to do it. It's more difficult to continue with that bad habit than it is to stop it. And it's just a matter of finding different ways to spurn that, seeing where, how you can do it. How can you make the slope down or, or, or steeper going downhill? I, I, I appreciate that. Hope you wrote that down. <laughs> no, I, no, this is good. This yeah. is good. No, I think it's the one thing I hadn't heard. Uh, you know what you're talking about, Ed? Is obviously everyone ha say has a plan, but really pulling back the obstacles and then gamifying it, right? And I think that's a great uh, piece of advice for sure. And I appreciate that. I think it's good. Like I said, I always like to take things and and how how can you institute it? How can we maybe someone else that has that same. Uh, that same goal, right? To to shed some and just feel better, live a healthy lifestyle, like you said. That's that's good stuff. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, and and the cool thing about it too uh, is like I have to reiterate, this is you know the for starting energy, right? This is not the same as keeping once you start moving, but this is when you institute a new habit, the first 30 days, 30, 60 days, whatever, right? Because after you do that uh, and you you've instituted a new habit for for a month or two now you've seen the result now now that is driving you and you you know you can do it and so you know you you don't need those things anymore but that protocol i gave you is primarily what one would do when introducing a new habit and once they have it in it's it's easy you know I, like for example i just i say that i have a sobriety habit like it is like at this point you you, you probably would have to put a weapon to my to my head to to get me to drink like it's it, it's harder to not it's harder to drink than it would be to not drink you know and that's what you want to get when, when i say that to people it, it's like a light switch goes off you're like oh it's like it's it's the same habit just different now right? <laughs> it's just like what i built but now we're building a new habit in place of it and it's, it's a lot easier that way to look at it that way nice <laughs> coach you want to get into a little rapid fire yeah, let's get in a little rapid fire. We end uh, at every every session with a little rapid fire, not too hot seats, but yeah, Calvin, I know you got you got a couple let's here. Have some let fun. it rip. So absolutely. Recently, I'm a I'm a I took up boxing, um, just a little bit, trying to. 
do something different. Planet Fitness gets a little old, so I wanted to challenge myself <laughs> as I'm pro- closing in on 40. Um, so I try to follow boxing as much as I can. Um, I saw that, you know, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. had the fight. Just curious, you did you spar with Roy Jones Jr.? I was the sparring part, the primary sparring partner for Roy. Uh, that whole eight-week period up to it, a little longer, I think. I, mean, I know I was... Yeah, right, because the fight was supposed to happen in September. It was supposed to be like September 16th or something like that. And we, we started moving around, and then they changed the date to what it was, which I believe is was November 28th or something like that. And I was the sparring partner for that for that whole thing because we have the same coach. And my coach was like, hey, do you want to do this? And I said, sure. And I didn't get any like money for it or anything. I just wanted to to go see if I could challenge myself. And plus it was cool to meet Roy and but mostly to challenge myself. <laughs> what what is that like, you know, as far as just as one of the greatest boxers of all what time. What is that like? Well here's what okay. So <laughs> here's the thing. Um so Sorori is fifty one. Um let me tell you that don't mean anything. What that means is He's 51. All, all that means is the is the and he and he was active until he was forty nine. Yeah. Like fighting. So it's not like it's not like I was in there with a guy who was chilling on the couch. Uh he is fast, <laughs> and and that's and speed's one of those attributes that declines as you age. So I can't. I mean, I don't have to imagine. Like I can watch the videos and see how fast he was because that's how fast he was. When we felt like like there'd be times where I was like, because I had to be zoned in, otherwise I get hurt. And then and then I would get hit. And I was like, how the heck did that happen? <laughs> Like there, there are a few pictures on my Instagram. Why, why, why I've got this bloody shirt? When we were sparring, and he somehow he stepped off to my right quickly, and then just popped a double hook in through my guard, and that is so incredible to even be able to do that. Uh, <laughs> But to hit doubles on the guard and it just broke everything open. I mean, I don't think it was broken. I don't know. Boxing is one of the things. All we did was just like, all right, you know, plug it up in between rounds because you got to keep sparring and moving. You don't just just stop. But but yeah, naive. But he's a really great guy, man. Uh, very competitive, but not an asshole. Um, and just just real cool. I, I really enjoyed meeting him. Really enjoyed the work. That's awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat> um, football. Football, boxing, what would you say was more of your favorite sport? And then also, I couldn't find, what, what position did you play? Oh, okay, right. Because I, I don't think I write anything about football. I was a defensive end. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, and, and what, what do I like more? If, if I had to pick which one to earn a living from, I would be a defensive end all day. There is no doubt about <laughs> it. Uh, because I can, I can do that. And and walk away, and the stakes aren't as high. Well, because fighting's a brutal business, man. Um, even if the money wasn't an issue, because and, and I'd make more to DN almost certainly, unless I was like a Mike Tyson or Anthony Joshua or something like that. Um, it's it's a brutal sport. It's 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 so brutal. I just wish I had a different adjective, but that's the best one for it. The problem with boxing 
and I, I say problem compared to football, is that there is no uh, you the, the the point system is hurting someone. That's that's what it. Is. What gets you a penalty in a football game is how you win a boxing match, and you the. the after a while, man, you, you just don't want to do it. You be in the best shape ever, but that what's that matter? You yeah. gotta go, gotta go get cracked. Um, and a lot of times, you know, th- there's a point where you you build the basics up, right? There's a skill element to fighting, but a lot of it is just you know who's brutal, who's more brutal, who who whose balance didn't get disrupted. Like I I, I got a chance to look at my the fight I lost and. And now I can like see the punch that hit me, and I'm just like, yeah, right. Like at that point, with, with at, at two guys, 250, 200 pounds plus, throwing that kind of leather, plus how it's wrapped, we're never gonna get into that. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's it's a, it's a rough game, man. I, I would be a football player all day. Uh, boxing is is cooler, I think. But if if I'm talking about my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and showing up to work every day, but, but but then again, you get a little bit more more leeway from what I understand that in in, um, in boxing to like have a life, but it's not it's not enough. It's certainly not enough to compensate for what I'd be giving up. So, so yeah. speaking of boxing, real quick, Ed, who wins, Jake Paul or Ed Lattimore? <laughs> uh, Ed Lattimore, man, That's <laughs> you know, and I look. Here's the cool thing about, about fighting. Once you've done it longer, certainly at least as long as I have, and, and the way I was trained, I was I was really fortunate in who I stumbled upon, uh, not just as my main trainer, but some of the guys I had before me as, as an amateur. Before him as an amateur. Uh, you can look and see uh, if someone knows what they're doing or not and how much they know what they're doing. You know, that, like that, his fight against what was that guy, uh, Nate Robinson, I think his name was. That that fight, if that's against anybody with fight experience, they they kill him. But he knows that, or, or at least there's someone around him that knows that, because what, what he's gonna do is it's the same thing. You you guys remember when Mayweather fought McGregor, mm-hmm. and and I'm sitting here having arguments, full blown arguments with people going, Mayweather coming, even talking about McGregor can win. I'm just like. How do you think that's possible? And I realize it's because what what is what is Roger Mayweather famous for saying? Most people don't know shit about boxing. Like that is the absolute truth of the matter. Because I'm like, how could you? He, but he he's he's Conor McGregor, and this is a guy who can actually fight Conor McGregor just in a different discipline. So what what they're doing with Jake Paul, or what, rather what Jake Paul is doing himself, I applaud that business model. I I think that needs to be. Uh, the future of the sport and really has no there's really nowhere else for it to go because they've, they've been trying to figure this out for a while how to how to better compensate the fighters and and kind of break up the cabal that is the the organization bodies of boxing and I think this model will work but you're going to need but who have like skills like like an actual fighter for it to even make right. promote sense, but in the meantime, uh, I'm really happy about what he does. But not wax him, man, and, and not even close. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that, and that's got nothing to do with how good I am. That's just he doesn't know how to fight yet. Enough. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So our last question, and we'll let you get going, man. Want to be, uh, you know, respect your time. 
like to ask before you answer this. So before you answer it, you have to be willing to help us make this happen. So who is one person you think we should have as a guest on the underdog podcast? Um, Ooh, dude, I'll tell you exactly who, man, you, you should have my, um, one of my my good friends, uh, Cam Awesome, whose actual name is Cam. Okay, <sighs> he's gonna kill me for this. His name, it, like legally, he changed his name to Cam Awesome. Uh, when I met him, he was Cam Thompson, and Cam Thompson, Cam Awesome, is a is a five time <laughs> national champion at heavyweight. Uh, here in a, is an amateur, uh, and what is also notable about him, and he he also didn't start fighting. He started fighting, I think, at eighteen. And he was also he's also a vegan, so it's a very interesting story. Uh, parents are immigrants, I believe, from ooh, Trinidad. Maybe grew up in Long Island, and and is a, is a real cool guy, man. I, I sent him a message telling you guys would he be he be great, very entertaining. Um, and part of one of the reasons we get along. I don't I like I get along with everyone. But yeah. in terms of like friends I have from my time as a fighter, Cam's probably one of two or three guys that I like talk and hang out with. No. Okay. Yeah. No. Awesome. Awesome. We definitely we we uh we definitely would love to would love to have him. We want to continue to build a community, and and if we can kind of link everybody, um, you know, who's kind of got that underdog, if you will, you know, mentality or. or or face those adverse moments. So no, we definitely appreciate that. And we'll probably reach out to you to help us if you can make that connection at some yeah, point. Yeah, no problem. Just just shoot me an email or someone on Twitter and, and I have no problem with that. I, I, I'm sure he wouldn't have a problem either. He's a great guy. Perfect, perfect. So uh, speaking of Twitter, how, yeah. how do our uh, guests follow? I know, first of all, I was doing my Twitter, uh, Twitter uh, history on you. 50, almost 50,000 tweets I think you have. To, to date, my man is uh, he's, he's yeah, I'm, heavy I'm, on Twitter. What's... I'm fairly prolific on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like scroll. I mean, I had to keep scrolling. I just got to the next day. Usually with some people, like I scroll for like five minutes and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm through like a year. My man is like, you scroll five and you got maybe a week. So he's yeah, really he's... good stuff, though. I, it's a big follow. What is your, uh, uh, Ed, what's your Twitter fo- uh, handle again? Just Ed Lattimore. I'm Ed Lattimore everywhere. Like Okay. Instagram is Ed Lattimore. Twitter is Ed Lattimore. Website is edlattimore.com. Facebook is Ed Lattimore Boxer because I made that uh, when I was fighting. And so, yeah, everything's Ed Lattimore. Perfect, perfect. Oh, we love it. And his website's fantastic, Ed Lattimore. Stoic Street Smarts. Um, definitely check that out. So much good stuff. Hey, man, you helped me out today. I was a little selfish hey, no and uh, asked some of those questions. So hey, I no appreciate problem, that. Man. That's, that's, what good is my life if I can't help somebody else uh, improve theirs, right? Absolutely, man. No is that a night no on well, your chat? Is that a night on your um laptop? Right the, oh. de- the decal on the back? No, it's our. No, it's, yeah. the, it's the underdog. It's our. Lo- oh, yeah. which so, one are you talking about? The that? logos. Yeah, I got a couple logos here. It's RD. It's our one. Uh, our staffing company. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, cool, cool. Yeah, we uh we're logoed up a little bit, and we 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 like the brand, so we we uh we try our best. So try to make ourselves look ah, a little better. That's smart. Yeah, no doubt. absolutely. No doubt. Well, appreciate your time, man. Uh, thank you for joining. Again, as I said in the beginning, thanks for joining myself and Kyle here on the Underdog Podcast. Hey, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a really good day, man. Thank you, sir. Hey, you too.